Welcome to the Nobles You podcast. Thanks for listening, and we are glad you're with us. My name is Mike Kalin, the Director of Teaching and Learning here at Nobles, and I'll be your host today. I first want to briefly explain the purpose of the podcast and hoping and what we're hoping to provide you. On the podcast, we speak with faculty and staff members, all involved with our work related to teaching and learning, academic technology, DEI culture and practices, social-emotional learning, and more. Our faculty and staff here have a ton of expertise and a wide range of subjects. Through the podcast, we hope to learn from our guests who provide insight into the opportunities and challenges in the fascinating world of education. Today, we are delighted to speak with Alex Gallagher, our athletic director here at Nobles, varsity girls basketball coach, and a teacher in our history department. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Mike, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Thank you. All right. So before we speak about your time as an employee here, let's go back to your time as a student. So you graduated from Nobles in 1990. I'm just curious what you remember most about your experience as a student here. Um, I, I had a great experience at Nobles. I, I think it was a very different experience than what I've had as an adult, to be honest. But, um, but I had a great experience at Nobles. One, one sort of funny story to kick it off is that, uh, Mike, you know that I was raised by a very Roman Catholic father and a very, uh, a very Jewish mother. And my father was a St. Sebastian's graduate and it had these plans on me going to St. Sebastian's from the time I was really little. And I went to Seb's for eighth and ninth grade and randomly had this day in the middle of my ninth grade year when my mom picked me up from varsity basketball practice and said, you're not going to school tomorrow because you're going to go down the street to interview at Nobles. And I said, what are you talking about? I hate Nobles. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and she said, she said, you're doing it. And when my mother said you were doing something, you did it. Um, I went the next day to interview and walked out of there knowing that it was a place that I badly wanted to be. And, and I remember asking my mom after that fact why she had felt so strongly about it. And what she said was that she believed that there were people at Nobles, adults, who would play a big part in my life for the rest of my life. And she wanted me to have that kind of experience. And that was exactly what my experience was. I had um, as so many other nobles kids can say, just some incredible relationships with adults who were transformational figures in my life. You know, whether that was uh, Doug and Erica Guy, whether that was Bill Buzzy, whether that was Bill Kellenbeck, Mark Harrington, uh, the list goes on and on about adults who really impacted me in, in a positive way and who in various ways have stayed a part of my life since the day I graduated. But the other thing that I'll say, Mike, is that uh, Nobles was a very different place in 1990, um, and it's a place that I'm I'm really proud of the progress we have made. And that when I came back to Nobles after 10 years away, if it hadn't changed a lot, if you couldn't see the changes that have been being made, I'm not sure that I would have come back. But I give this school a lot of credit for looking itself in the mirror and figuring out how it needed to do better. And I think Nobles has tried to do that pretty with a pretty sharp focus on the future and being equitable and just and We've still got a long way to go, but the school has changed a lot in a lot of good ways. So along the lines of that reflection, you know, your description of Nobles as a student is very compelling and very moving. And I was just curious, as you reflect now back many years later, how do you think your time at Nobles shaped who you are today? Um, it definitely uh, taught me a lot about the importance of relationships. And, and I am somebody who cares a lot about my relationships with a lot of my colleagues. I care a lot about my relationships with students care a lot about my relationships with graduates and with the parents of our students and graduates. Um, I think it cemented in me. I came from a big family where 
human connection and love and everything was really important at the core of who we were as a family. But to feel it outside of our family um, and to feel the warmth of this place, the embrace of this place and the relationships that can really alter your life, you know, it made me start down a track after a few years of knowing that I wanted to try to be that type of a figure in other people's lives and to continue to seek people who could choose play that role in my own life. And, and I've been very blessed to be able to do that. And so I think, I don't know if when I got to Nobles, I know actually when I got to Nobles, I was not thinking about being a teacher or a coach or an administrator in an educational institution. When I left here, I'm not sure that it was right front of mind, but the seeds had been planted. And I think in due time, as a result of a bunch of different circumstances, I found this to be the path that I wanted to be on for the rest of my life. And so I, I owe that to the adults who changed my life. So we're very lucky you made that choice. I did want to delve in a little bit deeper about that choice. You know, you probably had a lot of different options as you got older and, and more time away from Nobles. So you mentioned Nobles was a different place than it was in 1990. So what were the factors that motivated you to come back and work here as a teacher, coach, and administrator? Yeah, I think it was, it was a few things. It was, number one, that, that impact that those folks had had on my life when I was a student it felt very compelling to try and give that back. I, I had started coaching before I entered the classroom and really loved coaching and loved the, the transformational impact that can happen within an athletic team or any team. And, and through a series of pretty funny coincidences, I reached a point in my life, I'd coached a couple years of college basketball and I had learned that I knew I absolutely did not want to coach college basketball. And so I had been in high school before. I had been coaching college basketball and working at Stonehill College, which is where I graduated from school. And I knew I wanted to be, be back at the high school level. And I applied to a whole bunch of private schools for a job, and I didn't even look at Nobles. And through a bizarre coincidence, which was my sister Lauren, who's a graduate of Nobles, calling the school to speak to John Gifford about a trip that he had run that she was going to run with some city year folks. She got, abs she got accidentally connected to Erica Guy, who asked how I was doing. My sister Lauren told her that I had just had a baby and that I was looking for a job. She asked me to call her. I called her. She said, do you want to come in for coffee tomorrow? I said, sure. And I showed up the next day. Unbeknownst to me, I was doing a full day of interviews. And 24 <laughs> hours later, I was working at Nobles. And so if, if my sister had not been connected to the wrong person, I don't know that I would have been back here. But when I came back and realized how the just the fabric of the school, a lot of its core was still the same, but it was a much kinder, more loving, um, more forward thinking place than it had been when I left. It really inspired me to come back and try to do my best to continue to be a part of some of that change, make any impact that I could and try and give the young people I've been lucky to work with even a fraction of what the adults who impacted my life were able to give me. Well, I think, you know, it's an understatement to say that those goals certainly have occurred. And let's move into your time now here as an employee and your roles that you serve here. You've had an incredible amount of success as our athletic director here for many years. And I always sort of curious and like asking questions about leadership a little bit. And, and for those that are looking to get into athletic administrative roles, what qualities or traits do you think are most important? You know, I would say in athletic administration, but also just in leadership in general. I mean, Mike, you and I have talked about this a lot. You know that I am a 
avid student of leadership and I read as much as I can about it, watch as much as I can about it. I, I know that I have so far to continue to evolve as a leader, to be better for the people I work with, to be better for the kids that I work with. But if you ask me the two most important qualities of any leader, it's authenticity and self-awareness. I think, uh, in my opinion, hover above the rest. I would say in my first 10 years here, I really had to work at having a better understanding of who I was and what I really cared about and, um, and having a clearer sense of my strengths and weaknesses, owning my weaknesses and doing the best I could to mitigate those weaknesses by surrounding myself with really good people who could help me. And I think it's a day and age where especially young, younger folks, and I know that sounds like an old person thing to say, but younger folks who are coming to nobles and hoping to lead, you know, they're part of a generation that has been creating this, you know, on social media and other places, you're in this uh, sort of creation of who you are mode uh, almost all the time. Sometimes posting photos or stories or different things like that, that are meant for an audience and not meant just for you. And, and I know that when I talk to coaches, when I talk to young people and leaders, what I try and say all the time is you've got to, to be a good leader. You've got to be able to define the things that you care about. Um, you've got mm -hmm. to be able to define why you care about them. And you've got to be a good storyteller about why that have, those have become your core principles that you believe in. And you've got to be self-aware enough to know your shortcomings and to own them and to do everything you can to avoid falling into those the pitfalls we all can where you know, the amount of times, Mike, on a regular basis, I do something, I do something stupid that I've got to, that I've got to try and recover from. And, and I know I can feel it. It's that sense of, God, I, I've tried to rid myself of this trait, but it's, it's hard to kick. But I think when I do fall into those pitfalls, into those, uh, into those holes, I say, sorry. And I acknowledge that I've screwed up and I try and do better. So I, I think for, for anybody, You've got to do that. I think the other piece too is that I think that being a good communicator piece is really um, is really important in this job. And there are times that I think I do it well. There are times I need to do it much better. Um, and I'm not talking about communication and messaging from the stage and assembly. It's being able to describe to people the things that you care about and why you think something like athletics are so important. And there's such an assault on team sports in many ways right now from the outside for-profit world of sports that we need we need messengers who are spreading the word about why what we do at the high school level is so important I mean, i think your humility and self-reflection really comes through in that response and i think it sets a good standard and model for all the coaches in your program um, this next question might have some similar responses to the question about leadership but moving to your role as a varsity girls basketball coach you lead one of the most talented and skilled teams in New England for many, many seasons. But I think more importantly, and again, I say this as a coach myself and really pay attention to this, you've created such an incredibly strong culture and sense of commitment among your teams. Just curious how that, how that culture is cultivated. What are the keys to that culture and commitment? I, I, those are very kind words. And, um, you know, you know, Mike, that you hear me say all the time. You know, we've got a talented team coming up this year. And, and I really like if people ask me how we're going to be, you know, that my go to is if I don't screw it up, we're going to be pretty good. And I, I really do feel that way. I mean, my job is to is to put kids on a path toward their greatest potential. 
but they got to go out there and do the work. And so, you know, there are a lot of great coaches out there who have not been blessed to coach the level of players I've been lucky enough to coach. And I, I feel gratitude for that every single day that I've been given that opportunity. But, you know, the thing that's hard about culture and, and important is it does go with authenticity and self-awareness. You know, there are stories that I tell my team every year that are stories about how I was raised and what I believe in and experiences I've had. And, and beating that drum on an annual basis, you know, if a kid plays for me for two or four or six years, yeah, they're going to hear the same, some of the same stories six years in a row because it is what matters to me. And as I've tried to shape the culture of the program, having that level of authenticity is, is really important. You know, so that's number one. Number two, I really do believe like culture is an everyday thing. And I think there are a lot of people who fall into the trap and the busyness of our lives at Nobles and in the challenges of coaching sports at Nobles or any place that, hey, we, we did that big first day culture presentation about what we were going to care about. And we talked about our core principles. And then four weeks later, you see a coach trying to engage a member of his team or her team when they've broken one of those principles or not lived up to one of those standards, but they hadn't talked about it for the last four weeks. I think culture is an everyday thing. I think, you know, I know it sounds so cliche in, uh, uh, in this day and age, but I, I really do believe when it comes to it, it's how you do one thing is how you do everything. And that means, you know, as a coach, if you have a sweep the sheds mentality, like the New Zealand All Blacks, are you waiting in the gym to make sure that every piece of trash is picked up, every ball is put away, every cage is locked up, every piece of equipment you've used has been taken care of? All of those things, you know, the major tenets of our basketball program are the words love, serve, care. And we say to our kids every day, if you set out every day to love yourself and take care and love your teammates, to serve yourself and to serve your teammates and to care for yourself and care for your teammates, you will be a great member of this team, whether you're a big time power five basketball player or our 14th kid who plays multiple sports and just loves to come in the gym and bust her butt for us. Every day we talk about love, serve, care. It's, it's critical to us. And I think if you asked our kids, those are the three words they would tell you about our program. Nothing in that description has anything to do with winning or championships. Uh, you've heard me say, Mike, many times that our goal every season is one thing. It's a locker room full of crying kids after the last game, not because you won or lost, but because you don't go to get, get to go to practice together the next day. And mm -hmm. we've, we've been lucky. You know, we've won nine of the last 11 New England championships. And I get asked a lot how in the final four weekends, Saturday and Sunday, semis and finals, we always seem to play really well. And people ask why. And I, I'm pretty honest. I say because it's Friday night when practice ends before that weekend and we get together in a circle and the emotion starts to flow because you realize that we're done. We just, we just hung our banner right there. And Saturday and Sunday, we play pretty loose and relaxed because the goal has been achieved. The championship is icing. And I, I, and I think we, we live it in everything we do, our coaching staff, our players, our managers. I think every one of us, and I'm first on this list, recognizes how lucky we are to be a part of this. And, and I think that's that level of gratitude, that level of love, service, and care is what defines our program. And, and I think has allowed us to be as successful as we've been. There's a lot of wisdom there. And I think also what's interesting is that what you describe, whether it be sports, theater, 
other teams, other groups on campus. I think the same principles apply. You know, I remember one thing you often say is that coaching is 90% culture, 10% X's and O's. Yeah. I think that's really stuck as well with a lot of us kind of admiring what you're doing from afar. And it's really just percolated through the athletic program. Yeah. And, so and Mike, sh- just one thing I'll yeah. add, just because I think you'll be interested in it, is that the w- one piece of 51-year-old man wisdom, 27 years coaching, is a real paradigm shift amongst youth sports in the country, which is when I first got into coaching, when kids got to me at the varsity level, you could have some sense of guarantee and certainty that they had been taught a certain number of lessons about teamwork, unselfishness, hard work, dedication, things like that. And now, unfortunately, a lot of our coaches have to acknowledge that the kids we're receiving might have been taught the exact opposite of those things. And so part of that 90-10 split now is we have to do a lot of that teaching when kids get to us in the seventh grade, ninth grade, 10th or 11th grade. And, and that's why the culture piece is more important than it's ever been, because so much of their sports life is about their own track and where they're going on that track singularly. And in high school, it's about the people who are around you. And that's why I think it's so important. It's definitely, again, point well taken and something that I think in a very healthy way has influenced our athletic program. And we all don't do it necessarily to the extent that you're able to do it, but I think there's definitely a striving among all the coaches in the program to really cultivate that culture. So shifting from the athletic program to teaching, you're a teacher coach, you fulfill the teacher coach model. You're sort of curious as much success as you've had down in the gym, you also had a lot of success up in the classroom. And, and what do you enjoy most about teaching? Definitely what I enjoy, you know, this will sound pretty cliche, Mike, but I am, I, I so love the multifaceted educator model that Nobles uses. There are more and more teaching colleagues I have at other schools who I think are moving more towards a, a college professor model where the outside the classroom stuff is not stuff that really fires them up and and stuff that they want to do you know for me whether i'm getting to coach be an athletic director be in the classroom help lead slc lead trips to rwanda or other excel locations if you ask me my favorite part of the class of being in the classroom it's getting to engage with kids in a deep and meaningful way that otherwise i wouldn't have been able to and and to me it's given me the opportunity you know, in that amazing moment where we do our graduate receiving line, part of why I love to continue to teach is to have more moments with kids who I've been able to experience something with when we get to that line. That's sort of the the backwards planning that I think so many of our folks do. What I really love about the classroom, especially, and I, I was so lucky to teach HHC, to teach U.S. history, to be mentored by great teachers at those levels. I've been so lucky at this point in my career, to be able to teach politics and ethics for a long time. That was my academic background when I um, was an undergrad and got my master's. Uh, Political philosophy is a real passion of mine. Politics are a real passion of mine. Decision-making is is something that I love talking to kids about. And, And I think so on the politics and ethics side, it's a class where I say to kids and to parents and guardians, the the purpose in this, you know, as we have these conversations, I think for a lot of young people, it's the first time that they start realizing the adult reality of the amount of times you face a decision where neither choice is a good one. And when you have to face those decisions, how do you go about doing the gut check and building that moral compass and ethical foundation 
that allows you to not be someone who I think happens too often in our country now, leans on situational ethics, the ability to explain anything away as being okay. And I think that's a really dangerous slide that, that our culture and our country, our society are facing. Everybody can create a narrative about why what they did was okay. It doesn't mean it was okay. And I think the, the work that we do using the book Justice by Michael Sandel, who's the ethics professor at Harvard, his book is shaped where he teaches about high-level political philosophers, but then immediately dives in with real-world examples and real-world opportunities for kids to start to debate what is the right thing to do. That's the underlying title of the book, what is the right thing to do. And I think watching kids struggle with each other, listen to each other, to find a way to come to some consensus, either for themselves personally or for the class, is really powerful. And, and the other piece is that it's a, I think, Mike, you and I have talked about this, I think schools struggle in this day and age to have complicated conversations. And, mm-hmm. and I think uh, for, for lots of reasons that I understand, but I think in our bubble of this classroom, the standard is that as long as everything is said with respect, and with some knowledge base and with some foundational facts to back it up, as long as the respect is there, we're going to engage in these hard conversations and challenge each other to think about things. And so that part's great. And then a, a real blessing for me is, I mean, I get to keep, teach the entrepreneurship and innovation class with Steve Ginsburg, who's one of my closest friends in the world. He and I came together here, you know, 24 years ago. I was so honored when he gave me the chance to work with him in that class now, which was, I think, six or seven years ago. His, his course um, around design thinking methodology has dramatically changed my leadership style, the way I think about problems and finding solutions, and being able to introduce our young people to that. Um, you know, Steve and I in a, you know, will say to each other, learning design thinking methodology should probably be something that every noble student graduates with, mm-hmm. because I do think it is the way to not jump to conclusions and solutions, but to really push yourself to understand a problem fully before you dive in. That's been just awesome to watch kids navigate and to watch kids work. So again, based on your responses, it's clear you have a ton of experience, you've had a ton of success, ton of reflection about teaching. I'm curious, same thing with coaching, also a ton of experience. What do you think of the similarities between teaching and coaching? Yeah, it's funny. You know, I'll say this, Mike, and I hope you get lots of listeners. I've been telling everybody about how much I've enjoyed listening to these podcasts and, and to be authentic. My first 10 or so years here, I, I had a lot to learn as a classroom teacher and made some mistakes, had to rebound from those mistakes, have tried to do better with every passing year and the way that I approach the curriculum that I build and the lessons that I teach and you know things like that. You and I, I think, Mike, have had this conversation. I, I wonder if enough of our I wonder how many of our teachers think about building culture in a classroom in the same way that coaches think about building culture on their teams. You know, I, I think that I try to bring the love, serve, care mentality into the classroom uh, with me, and I think it's been effective. But when I tell you that the first, you know, many years I was here, teaching was something I really had to work at. It's when I started to teach more like I coach, the way that I lesson plan, like I practice plan, the way that I culture build on my team, bringing it into the classroom. For me, that was really helpful. And I've had coaches who I've really pushed them to coach more like they teach because that's really their bread and butter. And that's the place where they really excel and feel that confidence. 
And I think people think they need to be disconnected from each other, but they do not. You know, I think every time I walk on the basketball court or when I used to walk on the baseball diamond, I'm walking into a classroom. You know, the curriculum and the drills that you do probably look a lot different, but the lessons should ultimately be the same, you know, ideally. And, and so I think there are some people who don't think of them the same because they're much more comfortable with one than the other. And I would argue that when you start doing them both in the model that you're most comfortable and confident with, you see both continue to improve. So I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think it's one of the really fulfilling things about a place like Nobles is that teacher coach model. And I similarly feel like there are things that I learn as a coach that I'm like, Hmm, you know, I, I could apply this up in Shattuck in my classroom and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it does make it a, a treat and an opportunity to continue that teaching coach model here. Definitely. So we're almost out of time. I was wondering if there was anything else you wanted to mention related to your roles, your leadership at Nobles over the years, anything else on your mind? No, I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I guess what I, what matters to me, it was funny. I got to go this fall. I went through my admin evaluation and you know, and I think when I did my self-eval, I, all I really cared about was people feeling like I worked hard and that I really loved the place. I, I know that I've got a lot of shortcomings, but my hope is this place has given me so many gifts and so many opportunities for myself personally, for my family, uh, for myself professionally. I am so grateful to this place. And, and I hope that, you know, I try to do that. I try to do that every day, but but one thing I will say to you, Mike, is that I put you in a, in a long list of, uh, of a generation of people at Nobles who I, I really do. I'm, I, I'm inspired by your generation of Nobles teachers and administrators every day. I think you've made us think about things differently. You've pushed us to shift paradigms. You've done things with technology that have taken us to the next level. And when I think about you and countless other teachers like yourself, I really appreciate the push uh, because I think if we weren't getting the push, we wouldn't continue to become the school that we are continuing to become. And, and so I just think to anybody who would listen to this, I know that there are a lot of things I know that I personally can do better on a day-to-day -day basis. But you know, I really hope two things. One, that people know how much I love the place. And uh, number two, uh, that I hope what they heard me talk about today is the way they actually know me. You know, I was asked once about my daughter, Maya, playing basketball for me. And they asked me, as we were setting out, what was my goal in serving as her coach here at Nobles? All I cared about when Maya started to play for me is that she didn't think I was full of crap. You know, I, I wanted her to see that as a coach and a dad, I was sending the same messages and living the same life. You know, and I hope that I'm, I'm going to be here for a lot more years and that I'll continue to work really hard to do better at the things that I'm not good at continue to love this place and try and be the most authentic Alex I can be, you know, and I appreciate this place letting me be that person. Alex, I appreciate your kind words. And I would just say sort of on topic reciprocally, I can't say I'm a young faculty member anymore, <laughs> uh, middle-aged faculty member, yeah. but also learning a lot from sort of the greats and the people that have been here for a while. It's a nice reciprocal journey and related to that, Hopefully this podcast helps others get that opportunity to learn from our colleagues. And so just a quick plug that if you hadn't had a chance to listen to some other podcasts, they're available on Apple and Spotify. It's under the Nobles U podcast. Um, so you can check those out wherever you check out those podcasts. 
And if not, we hope that you will listen to our next one. Uh, But again, thank you again, Alex, for being willing to chat. No, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate it.